Hello again, ladies and gentlemen. This is Ghost Nobody here, ready to bring you the Christmas special of Hunter Hunted Hybrid Wars. It was a long time in the making, and it was quite a task of enduring. It's seventeen and a half thousand words, and uh, it's quite uh, lengthy. So you might want to strap in, grab yourself a drink and some snacks, because it's quite long. Just shy of about two hours, I believe. So strap in, people. Here we go. Time for the holiday special. All I want for Freedom Day is you. The night was quiet and still. The Ziva Hookclaw and her pride began a long walk home from their long day shift at the guard post. It had been a pretty busy day at the city, as it was preparing for a Raptorian holiday of winter seed. It was the time of year that all Raptorians got together to remember what was known in their culture as the Long Winter, a time in their history when they remembered the time of great sorrow, when they were punished by the great tree for straying so far from her noble path. The holiday itself was kind of bittersweet at its core because not only did it remember the lives lost during that time, but they also gave thanks to the great tree for giving them the chance to repent, to change their ways. In a way, the holiday represented the rebirth of the new Raptorian people, ones who embraced the true way of the great tree and strove to earn their pride's place within her golden garden, where they would spend all of eternity happy and warm and content in the loving arms of their pride male. Except for Ziva and her pride. This time of year it was always a reminder that their pride had no male to call their own, no beautiful boy to dote on, to care for or to lavish with as much love as their hearts could muster. So as they patrolled the city of Lapis, finding wayward children, directing shoppers, all while keeping a dutiful eye on all the prides around them, as they scurried about doing their holiday shopping, it brought a mixture of joy and also a heaviness to their hearts. Seeing all the smiling and joyful prides walking through the streets carrying their bags of gifts and food, that they would take home to prepare and add to their family feasts and celebrations was always heartwarming, but also a little depressing, because seeing the smiling faces of their pride males surrounded by his protective females as they walked through the packed streets dressed in their best winter seed outfits always made them feel a little left out. Their walk home took them past the local clan Mason embassy, as now there was one of these things in nearly every of the major Raptorian cities, and Zeva's pride still remembered when the friendly aliens had appeared on the scene during the war. The images of an oddly handsome human male warrior of all things appeared on TV screens all across Raptoria, a male that swiftly became known as the Guardian of Males, for his heroic defence of a group of males and their children during a horrific mimic attack in the city's recreation zone. An attack that could have left multiple prides truly devastated at the loss of their, not only their pride male, but of their beloved children and the future of Raptoria. But seemingly out of nowhere, this heavily armed and armoured male warrior had come to their rescue and defended them. He had beaten back the vicious mimic scourge and ensured that each of those males was delivered back into the loving arms of their pride where they belonged. A true miracle if there ever was one down here. Then more of them started popping up as the war truly began to rage on on the surface, and stories the likes of which had never been seen before began to filter their way down thanks to the 
Brave Pride Life Today news teams that had been attached to the Surface Stalker Prides. They were up there fighting alongside Clan Mason, fighting for Raptoria. They had seen these beautiful and handsome warriors fighting for them, to protect them and free them from the certain tyranny that the Scalatho and Draconis had planned for them. But not only that, they even delivered free Scalatho males to their cities, that their vile females had been keeping as comfort males in the bases that they'd set up on the surface. Ziva sighed heavily and gave a bittersweet smile as she remembered the day those boys had arrived here in Lapis. The chief of guards had put every single guard pride on high alert. The boys were being brought down to the city by a huge guard force of surface stalkers and clan mason. And that had been v Ziva and her pride's first chance to see the aliens up close. She still remembered the warriors dressed in their brilliant gold and blue armours, walking tall and proud as they stood in defence of those pure boys clustered at their centre, each of them looking to their guardians for reassurance. She still remembered the rings of surface stalkers surrounding all of them, at least six deep as the, gro as the gro group walked through the city towards the hospital, where they were being handed over to the local guard brides and medical staff. She also remembered the outpouring of pure horror and emotion from all the good prides of their fair city when it was made known what horrors had been enacted on those poor, beautiful, innocent boys. When the call came from the city command pride for volunteers to take in the or an orphan Scalathor boy or a displaced adult, the queues filled nearly every single street in the fair city. It took them a six full rotations for it to take every single pride name and with every single guard pride and administrative pride called in to deal with the crowds. But she also remembered with a joyful heart the joy of those prides when they won the lottery to adopt or simply be guardians to one of those males. She remembered clearly the love that he showered those nervous and frightened males with as they were escorted from the hospital into the arms of their new pride, under the watchful eye of both the guards and even some ambassadors from their new clan mason allies. Now those Scalathor boys have become common sights within the city, and even over the months since the conflict, the change in them had been heartwarming to say the least. Gone were the fearful husks that were scared of even their own shadows in the light of the city's beautiful lapis-coloured lamps that gave it its name. Now replacing them were strong and confident males who walked with their heads held high, with joy and curiosity burning bright in their beautiful eyes. Quite a number of them had chose to become married to their guardian prides, though from what she understood before such a union could be undertaken an application to the high priestess pride had to be sent and then they would have to travel to the temple where the males would meet with the high priestesses to ensure that there was no duress being involved. So far not a single case of it had been discovered, a fact that brought both immense pride and joy to Ziva's heart. The lesson of the time of great sorrow had never lost on the Raptorian people, and it was now hardwired into their collective soul and being, to the point where it could never be unwound now. Good Raptorian females would always care for and defend their males, now and always, no matter the cost. As their pride passed by the Clan Mason embassy, Zebra and her sisters noticed that the people of Clan Mason also seemed to be rather busy setting up their own decorations though they did look quite different from their own. She wondered if they were joining in in the celebration of Winterseed with them, 
or whether they had a holiday of their own that they celebrated at this time of year. That's when a quick-moving shadow caught her eye, and as she ruffled her feathers in alert, her whole pride very nearly drew their weapons, until as one they saw the source of the mystery. It was simply one of Clan Mason's seekers of truth. Though, Simple did not do these mysterious and enigmatic figures justice, to say the least. Ziva still remembered seeing the vids taken by Pride Life Today news teams of these incredible beings in action on the surface of Raptoria. The way they moved and the things they could do seemed like they'd come right out of a Scalywood sci-fi film. Watching them dodge bullets and turn the predators of the surface against the Scalathorn Draconis to watching them summon the very dead themselves to fight along their still-living sisters. These beings were highly celebrated on Raptoria, and especially above all was Jack Mason, the Grand Patriarch of Clan Mason. He was one himself, and the vids of his exploits wowed crowds of prides on the huge screens that had been set up all over the city to show live updates of the war. Though whether it was just the things he could do, or the way his bright blue eyes sparkled and his smile sent a shiver through every scale of every maleness, maleless, red-blooded female who saw it, was still currently up for debate. All anyone knew was woe betide the pride stupid enough to try and make a pass at him, if the Grand Matriarch and Breaker of Chains was anywhere nearby anyway. Though thanks to the rarity of seeing one of these beings up close, it was a supremely rare treat even for a guard pride like theirs, who had more interaction with the clan than the average Raptorian citizen did. As they watched, the figure kicked off several surfaces into a high-arcing jump, where they seemed to deposit what looked to be a large shining star atop a very large tree that had been erected in the courtyard of the embassy. And as if poetic timing, as they completed their arcing jump, they landed on the outer wall of said courtyard, and the whole tree lit up in a dazzling array of colours directly behind them. The figure stood there for a moment, looking out over the equally decorated city, before seemingly noticing Ziva and her pride stood below them. The armoured figure gave a cheery wave, which they barely had time to return before the figure turned and hopped back down inside the walls and out of sight. From both her left and her right, Ziva heard her pride sister sigh in unison. She glanced at them curiously, and both Zex and Bista ruffled her, their feathers as they stood staring at the spot where the human seeker had only been stood for moments before. Well, you don't get to see that every day, Zek said in a wistful voice. Yeah, those human seekers really are something else, aren't they? Bista said. How can you be sure it was even male? They're armoured from head to foot, Zima said as the pride began to walk again. Oh, I'm sure. You know me, I can spot a male at a hundred paces in a crowd of a thousand pride strong, Zek said confidently, making all of her pride giggle as they walked together. Oh, but seriously, how can you tell? Ziva asked, and Zek smiled at her. Simple. Their males are kind of obvious from their females when you know what to look for. Here, let me give you an example. A male Yejuta is smaller than a female Yejuta, much in the same way as it is for us, right? She said, and Ziva nodded as she remembered her clan species biology lessons. Well, with humans it's the reverse. Males are bigger and stronger than their females. They have flat chests and narrow hips. Now, granted, while at a glass, you can't, glance, you can't be 100% positive, 
I'm almost certain that that was a male we saw. Unless they have a very flat chest. Because I've seen some of their armour up close. And some of those girls are seriously lucky up there. She said, gesturing to her own rather ample chest. Which, while decently sized by Raptorian standards, was positively small by human ones. And not much more than two peas on a plank by Yajuta standards. Making all of her pride sisters chuckle in knowing. Then there's a sacred apple, of course. The gift from the great tree yourself that only your beloved sons are permitted to carry. Vetra said from the far right of their little group. Yeah, but not even I'm that good that I can spot a sacred apple through their armour, Vetra. Zek said, making her sister grin back at her. And you call yourself a professional male spotter. She shot back, making her sisters laugh. Has anyone else noticed the rather amount of large deliveries that the clan embassy seems to have been having over the last few weeks, though? Kest asked, and they all turned a glance at her, so she continued. When we were in the briefing at HQ the other week, I noticed a delivery schedule of inbound freight from the clan homeworld, and it was way over their usual consignments. That's either one hell of a party they got planned, or there's something else going on. Plus, what struck me as odd was the fact that pretty much was all of it was coming in under the diplomatic flag, she said. Huh, that's odd. The clan never uses the diplomatic flag status for stuff. They're always open about what they bring in. What do you think it could be? Zex asked, and Kess shrugged. No idea, and that's what bothers me. I mean, we have no reason not to trust the clan, and at all it struck me as seriously odd. I mean, what the hell could they want to hide from us so bad, and why so much of it? She asked. Think we should look into it? Zebras and Kesh shrugged. I don't know. I mean, chances are it's innocent. But something just doesn't feel right, she said. And with that odd feeling hanging in the air now over them, the pride finally made their way home for a well-earned rest. But now Ziva couldn't shake the feeling that something odd was up. During the night, as her pride slept, Ziva heard an odd noise coming from their living room and she yawned as she rose to check it out. It was most likely their damn fridge acting up again. The thing needed a new fan system, but they'd been too busy get sorting everything else out to get round to sorting it. As she lifted herself out of her pile of sisters and made all around her, she was careful and gentle when dislodging the tangle of limbs from around herself as to not wake them before slowly making her way across the mattress and into the main living area. In the darkness, the cuddle of lights from the winter seed tree danced and cast oddly coloured shadows across the room, sparkling or reflecting off pieces of hanging foil that were meant to represent the frosts and ice that often covered the surface during this time of year, but never made its way down to their magma-heated homes. But it was quite a trick to navigate a room lit only by these dancing coloured lights, as the shifting shadows as certain lights lit up, while others doused, creating a kind of slow-motion strobe effect that could really throw your perception for a loop if you weren't careful. That's when she noticed something odd. One of her sisters seemed to have left the window slightly ajar and the heavy curtains were slightly open. Ziva scowled as it was a other than Zex, as no one other te tended to open the windows in the evening, as the sounds of the tower tended to drown out the TV. 
But during this time of year, sister liked to sit and watch the young ones running around and hanging decorations all across the spirals and over the lamps of their tower. Lots of prides also tended to decorate their doorways with colourful winter plants. So over the course of about a week or so, the inside of the tower started to take on the look of a swirling rainbow that climbed high into the sky. As she went over to the window, something shimmered to her right, and she turned only to find... nothing. Ziva scowled as she was sure she'd seen something move. But then, with the damn dancing lights of the winter seed tree, everything bloody moved. So turning back to the window to close it, she cursed her sister slightly under her breath before hopping up onto the couch and leaning forwards. Only it wasn't the couch she landed on. It was someone's lap. Now, Raptorians are very good jumpers, and their clawed feet are incredibly good at gripping things. In fact, despite how small they are, they really like high places, hence why their tower homes are shaped the way they are. So even with the dancing light throwing off her senses slightly, there's no way she'd miscure the jump that badly. But as she landed, her feet, rather than find the soft rear of the couch that they were expecting, they hit metal instead. This caused her to lose her footing and drop straight down and land crotch-first hard on something hard and smooth. And she instantly felt something grab her by the waist. That's when she saw it. A figure. There was an invisible figure sitting on the couch in their living room. And now she was sitting right on top of it. The figure was briefly made visible by both the contact she made with it and also the shifting light effect of the winter seed tree changing at exactly the right moment which meant that the cloaking tech that they were using faltered as it attempted to reshroud the figure whose lap she was currently straddling. For the briefest of moments, the two simply looked at one another in frozen silence made of shock, with her hands resting on its shoulders while its hands were resting on her waist. That's when Ziva's mind snapped back like an elastic band. There was an intruder in her pride's home. No sooner had she opened her mouth and drawn in a massive breath to yell an alarm warning to her pride than the shadowy figure's mind seemed to snap back as well. With lightning speed and incredible strength, the figure flicked her up and spun around before clamping a man hand over her mouth and grabbing her upper body, which clamped her arms tightly to her sides. All she was able to release was a loud beep noise before she was instantly cut off. I'm not going to hurt you. There seems to have been some kind of mistake here, a figure said from behind her in perfect Raptorian, but by the shape and size of the person they were most definitely not Raptorian. Ziva struggled to break free of their grasp, but despite kicking out and thrashing her long thick tail around, the figure's grip was far too strong for her to hope to break free. That's when a very sleepy looking Zex walked into the room and saw her apparently floating in the air while being restrained. Ziva? What's going on? Why are you flying? Zex asked as her mind struggled to make sense of what the hell she was seeing. Shit. Sorry about this, the figure said, and suddenly Ziva was falling. Right through the window. Ziva! Zex yelled in pure fear, rushing to the window, and Ziva saw her sister's terrified face appear out of it as she fell backwards. But what was odd was she still felt restrained. The figure was falling with her. Suddenly the figure spun and she found herself now looking at the rapidly closing ground. 
before with a rapid series of movements the figure released her mouth and fired something from its wrist into one of the walls. There was a sharp jerking sensation as whatever it was went taut and pitched them at an angle like they were swinging on a vine from a tree. Ziva screamed as she watched one of the railings coming right up at that rapidly but the figure didn't seem intent on smashing them into it. Instead they flicked themselves over into an angle kick which propelled them off the wall and back across the open space. Ziva's brain was struggling to comprehend what in the name of hell was happening as she cartwheeled through the air under the grip of the invisible stranger. No sooner had the stranger's boots made contact with the other wall on the opposite side of the tower than they actually began to run vertically down one of the support columns. And that's when it clicked in Ziva's mind. There was only one group of people who could move like this. Seekers of truth. But why in the name of a great tree had there been a seeker in their apartment? And why had they kidnapped her? What were their intentions and where were they taking her? These and a million other questions spiralled through Ziva's mind like a maelstrom as they shot vertically down the tower at incredible speed until they hit the floor and shot straight out of the door, scattering a late-night party pride who were just returning from the late-night closing clubs and all got bowled over by the figure as they shot through. As they carried her, the figure moved with such incredible grace and speed that Ziva was left with her brain frazzled as she tried in vain to keep up with the series of movements they were making. All she knew was they were jumping from building to building, but it was like being stuck inside a washing machine, just blurs of rapidly shifting colours and then brief moments of clarity as the figure paused to reorientate themselves before more blurs of colours. But thankfully she didn't barf when the figure finally came to a halt and Ziva found herself atop one of the largest trees in the recreation zone, looking down at little white dots of a flock of cave geese far below, who all seemed rather fascinated by the invisible thing that had just run straight up a tree. Suddenly Ziva found a voice from the fear-induced paralysis which had accompanied the high-speed jaunt across the entirety of the city in only a matter of seconds. My name is Ziva Hookclaw and my pride will be looking for me. They are a guard pride and they will find you so I demand you release me at once, she demanded in a brave voice as she could muster. I do apologise for the abrupt snatch and grab my good lady. I uh, might have panicked slightly when you decided to jump into my lap back at your home. And while I would comply with your very reasonable request, of course, it um, might have some dire consequences if I were to do so right now. The figure said again in perfect Raptorian. It was not my intention to jump into your lap. I was trying to close the window. Couldn't see you due to your stealth armour. What the hell were you doing in my home to begin with? What do you mean, dire consequences? Ziva demanded. You um, may wish to look down, the figure said, and Ziva did so only to realise they were not on a branch of the tree but hanging on the side of it. If the figure let her go, she would plummet 50 plus feet straight down into the ground like a scaly lawn dart. Why the hell would you do this? Why abduct me from my home and my pride? I'm not of any importance, I'm merely a guard, and Clan Mason are supposed to be our allies. Ziva yelled as a surge of fresh fear hit her as a precarious situation she now found herself in. Wait, how did you... The armour... The figure said, answering their own question as they tried to figure out as they, who they, how they, she knew who they were. 
well, that and running vertically down a fucking wall. Who the hell else could pull shit like that off? Ziva demanded angrily as she continued to dangle from the figure's grasp. The figure sighed heavily from behind her. I porking told Commander double-checked that bloody list. I knew there were errors in it. Look, this has just been a big misunderstanding, okay? I'll climb down and I'll try and explain all of this mess, the figure said. Well, it's going to have to be a fucking good explanation for all of this, Ziva yelled. You um, may wish to contact your pride so they don't start a citywide search or, search or, you know, a diplomatic incident as well, the figure said as they began to climb down the tree. And how exactly do you expect me to do that? Smoke signals? You snatched me out of my home in the middle of the night, Ziva yelled as her anger overrode her fear now. Oh yeah. Don't worry, my wrist comp has a communicator function and it can tap into your local cellular grid. You can use that when we get down, the figure said, and with that they leapt the remaining twenty feet or so down to the ground, making Ziva cry out, cry out in alarm before realising she was fine. The figure turned and placed her gently down on her feet before deactivating their cloaking system and appearing before her out of thin air for properly for the first time. Ziva's first instinct was to take a step back from them and reach for a service weapon. But it was only now that she realised that not only was she not carrying a weapon, but she was only dressed in her thin nightdress. Worse than that, she realised she didn't even have any underwear on. A hot flush ripped through her flesh and scales as she realised that when she had drop-straddled the figure's lap, her most intimate parts had directly collided with his suit. Not only that, but she was now over halfway across the entire city in such a state. Meanwhile, the figure seemed to have not noticed as they were busily pulling a small spherical device from a port contained within an odd-looking computer system attached to their long forearm. Here you go. This will allow you to call your pride. Simply type the call destination or number in here, the figure said, crouching down and offering their arm to her so she could see the screen. As she recognised the logo on the screen as one used by the regional communication network, it appeared that Clan Mason was indeed capable of tapping into it whenever they needed to. Or whether they had some sort of diplomatic account with the provider or something? Ziva reached out, and while almost continually glancing at the figure's covered face as if she expected them to snatch their arm away and laugh manically like a villain from one of her shows, she typed the home number into the display. No sooner had she finished typing than the little sphere she was holding lit up and popped open to create a little hot floating holographic screen directly before her eyes. It only had a chance to ring a single time before Zex's worried face appeared on the floating screen. Ziva, is that you? Her pride sister exclaimed with a hard note of fear that was permeated by hope in her voice. Yeah, it's me. Listen, I'm okay. I'm in the recreation zone. I'm going to need you guys to come down here and get me. Oh, and uh, bring a change of clothes and some underwear, Ziva said, flushing as she said the last part and glancing at the stranger, who seemed to be trying to give her some privacy by looking very intently at the tree they'd just been in, but she had a feeling that they'd heard every word. Suddenly Zex finished and was replaced by another of her sisters. It was Bista this time. Are you okay? Are you unharmed? She wailed and Ziva nodded. Yeah, I'm okay. Just get your tails down here pronto. And do me a favour if you call control. 
make sure you call it off, she said. We were about to call them, but we were just getting ourselves dressed and geared up to start searching for you. Stay right there, we'll be there soon, Mr. said, and with that, Ziva closed the connection by pressing the icon on the holographic screen and then held the sphere back out to the stranger. Thank you. Now, start talking, she said as they took the sphere from her. All right, but first I think some introductions are in order, just to show you I truly have no nefarious purpose in mind here, the figure said. And with that, they reached up and pressed a catch of some kind underneath their mask, which caused it to split apart with a hiss of escaping gas, before the whole helmet simply collapsed down into the neck section revealing the most strikingly beautiful human male Zeva had ever seen in her life. The male had pale snow-white skin that sparkled with a blue hue underneath the light of the colony lamps dotted around them. His eyes were light in colour, but with a colour bias it was difficult to tell if they were purple or blue. Sat atop of his head was a shock of curly dark hair that looked like it was jet black but seemed to have highlights of what appeared to be silver running through it, like an almost natural urban camouflage pattern. But the most prominent feature that Ziva's eyes instantly drawn to and mercifully found was his sacred apple. My name is Victor Snow, and as you deduced accurately, I am a seeker of truth. More accurately, a tamer of the seekers of truth of Clan Mason. And I assure you, my good lady... You have nothing to fear from me. This is just one big mistake and a hell of a mess. He said, giving her a rather polite bow. Now, Ziva had heard that there were differences among the Seekers, but she'd never claimed to know or understand any of them. So she heard himself call himself a Tamer as well as a Seeker. Kind of went over her head a bit, but she had heard stories of the incredible things these guys could do and seen in the vids, like everyone else. She knew caution was warranted, but that was kind of difficult, given how his, now his identity as a male had been confirmed. Now she was actively fighting against her instincts to comfort him in case he might be distressed by all of this. Well then, Victor, maybe you care to start with why you were intruding in our apartment and why you abducted me from it? Ziva demanded, noticing that despite her attempt to sound angry and intimidating... Her voice had automatically softened itself because she was speaking to a male. Victor sighed heavily and nodded. Well, as for the abduction, I, uh, kinda panicked. When you dropped into my lap, it took me by surprise. Then when your pride mate came in, I panicked and simply did the first thing that came into my head, which was to grab you and make a run for it. He said, sounding thoroughly embarrassed and highly apologetic about it. But why were you in there in the first place? She asked. I was, um, taking a census, he said quietly, as if the whole thing deeply embarrassed him. Taking a census? She asked in surprise. Yes, we found the Raptorian population records are, well, kind of slow to update and sort of spotty, to put it politely. So the officer in charge decided to take a more accurate one on our own. I told Command there was far better ways to get the information than sending our Seekers out to do it, Victor said. Ziva felt a flash of indignation at her people's bureaucracy being insulted by this alien. 
But then she remembered what happened the last time her and her pride tried to request new body armour and it wound up two cities over in the hands of a couple of male dancers at a club. Though from what she had heard, they did put make good use of it. So he may have a point. But that would make it any less infuriating. And why would our population numbers be a concern to you, Seeker? She spat, fighting her instincts to lower her voice and to try and keep it soft. Yeah, I knew that question was coming. Look, it's not nefarious, I assure you. But it would be easier for me to show you rather than just try and explain it all. So how about this? When the rest of your pride gets here, I'll show you the whole thing. Deal? He said, hopefully, giving her a soft and hopeful smile. That made her heart flutter as well as her tail swish. Which she had to stop mid-swing as her alarm bell in her head reminded her that she was bare down there. Deal. But you had better keep your word, Seeker, she said, pointing at him. And while she d he did smile, he also looked somewhat offended. My dear lady, a seeker of truth always keeps their word. To break it is to break the trust of the Grand Patriarch himself, he said defiantly. So the pair of them stood waiting for her pride to arrive, and she kept having to fight the urge to keep looking at him out the corner of her eye as he started, stared off into the city. Such a beautiful planet, this world of yours. I can really feel the powerful ebb of nature wound into everything here. Hell, even the rocks seem to flow with it. You can really feel the roots of the great tree working here. It's wonderful, he said softly as he watched some glowing little lanternflies flashing their little glowing tails to one another as they danced through the branches of the trees high above them. What do you know of the great tree? She asked in somewhat of a harsher voice than she meant to use. But the smile he gave her thankfully said he was not hurt by her tone, but rather amused by it. Probably a great deal more than you do, my good lady, he said, reaching out for hand towards the lantern flies. To Ziva's amazement, the little glowing flies rushed down from the branches of the tree to swirl all around him, causing his arm to pulse rhythmically with their tails, which they had somehow synchronised as they now spiralled around him. How is that possible? She exclaimed in pure wonder as she watched the little luminous display. I'm a tamer, which means we feel the very webs of the roots of nature winding through all things, and I can pluck them like the strings of a harp to make a tune that nature plays change to my rhythm for a little while, he said, like that was supposed to explain everything she was seeing here. But before she could get him to explain further, her pride arrived at a full-on sprint. And before they could draw weapons on him, she said one word that would stay their hands in place. Male, she said. This caused her whole pride to falter and freeze up like a computer that got caught in a boot loop. And she could see their eyes shifting between the pair rapidly as they tried to decide what the hell to do. It's all right, guys, he's not a threat, and I'm okay, I swear. Did you bring the clothes? Eva said, walking up to her pride to be enveloped in the pride hug that broke out instantly. Y yeah, here you go, Zex said, her eyes never leaving Victor for a moment. And Ziva instantly knew that her sister had been dumbstruck by the very same beauty that had short-circuited her brain a while ago as well. Thanks. Now give me a minute to go get changed in the toilets and then we can sort this bloody mess out. The said while heading off into the public toilets. 
When she returned, she could see her pride had formed a loose circle around Victor, and she could see a mixture of emotions and feelings flowing across their scaly faces as they looked at him and to one another. On one hand, this was a male, and their every instinct drove and compelled them to protect and care for him. But on the other, this was a person that had abducted their pride sister from their home. All right, let's get this straightened out then. Victor, you promised to show us what was going on. So, go ahead, Diva said, taking her place at the centre of the pride. All right, follow me if you would please, ladies, he said before heading back towards the city with the pride still all gathered around him. As they walked, he explained why he had taken Ziva and how it had all been a mistake and he also offered grievous apologies to both her and her pride for his actions which to be fair did go some way to soothe their anger which showed in the pride's body language as the circle began to tighten up on him as they walked. Eventually they came to a very familiar building in the form of the local clan mason embassy and when they reached the gates a deep resonating voice spoke out of the shadows. Halt! Who goes there? it said. It's all right, Rasma, it's me, Victor, Victor said, looking up just in time to see a massive figure decloak from the top of the wall. Good evening, Zika Snow. Um, who might this be, then? The large Yuta male asked as he dropped down from the wall and looked at Ziva and her pride. These are my guests, the Hookclaw Pride, and I'm hoping they might be able to help us out with Operation Sleighbells, Victor said, and the large Yuta nodded. Ah, very good, Seeker Snow. One moment, I'll sign them in and issue them some guest credentials. The large Yuzuta's head. It was only now that Ziva recognised the badge of a saviour on his broad chest. And it looked like it was big enough to quite comfortably sleep an entire parade of females upon it. Rasma tapped a few buttons on his wrist comp and a little orb flew up and then scanned each of the parade in turn before returning to them. There we go, all cleared. You may enter. Welcome to Clan Mason territory, honoured guests, Rasmus said, and with that the gates swung open and Victor led them inside. The embassy itself was a hive of activity, even at this hour. Xenomorphs were rushing around on practically every surface, screeching at one another, and for some reason they all seemed to be wearing red and white trim, while having little very odd bell-covered hats stuck onto their domed heads. Oh, don't mind the battle angels. Those girls always get overexcited this time of year. Put it this way. We all thank the goddess of the hunt for soundproofing every time this year comes around. Victor said as he ducked a Zeno that rushed around the corner a little too fast and shot over his head. Sorry, Seeker! She called over her shout out, shoulder before vanishing into another brightly lit corridor. I've never seen inside the embassy before. This place is a madhouse. Zex exclaimed as she dodged another Xeno that popped out of a vent on the floor before rapidly vanishing into another one directly above them. What can I say? The clan takes holidays very seriously, Victor said laughing before he stopped at a large set of doors that kind of reminded Ziva of blast doors. Now, you're about to see beyond these doors is a state secret, and I must ask for your words of absolute that you will not reveal to any of what you see in here to anyone. Victor said with a voice turning stern which caused all of their feathers to rise up. He was seriously not used to a male using a harsh tone with them. We would never portray a trust placed in us, he 
entire pride said in unison, and Victor nodded. Very well, then. These, may I present to you, Operation Sleigh Bells, he said, placing his hand on the palm reader on the wall, and as the doors whooshed open, the entire pride's mouths fell open as one. Beyond the door was an entire assembly line, which would have rivalled any mass production factory f facility found on Raptoria, but rather than robotic arms building appliances while prides of engineers and technicians oversaw it all, these lines were not actually building anything. Instead, there was what looked to be an entire hive of Xenos, all dressed in green and red, sat wrapping what appeared to be toys and gifts. There were, of course, all the races of Clan Mason sat among them, but the number of Xenos far outnumbered their counterparts by a good margin. But regardless of that, they all seemed to be working like a well-oiled machine, filling sacks with brightly coloured wrapped gifts of all shapes and sizes and sorts. What is this? Diva exclaimed. Well, the Grand Matriarch and Patriarch thought it'd be a good idea if the clan could celebrate our national holiday on every world we have a presence on. But more than that, they wanted our friends to celebrate this holiday with us so that they can, too, understand how much their friendship means to us. So, they launched Operation Freedom for All. This kind of morphed onto Operation Slow Sleigh Bells on a more local level here, Victor said, gesturing to the room full of chattering and screeching Xenos, all happily wrapping the multitude of gifts as they rolled down the assembly lines. Yes, but that doesn't explain much. What's actually happening here? Mr. asked, gesturing to the massive piles of sacks filled with gifts. Those are gifts for every single living Raptorian in this city from Clan Mason. There is one in these facilities in every single Clan Mason embassy across the planet. Though given that we don't have embassies in every city yet, some of them are having to pull double shifts. Here, let me show you, he said, gesturing for him to follow him, which they did. He led the group to the operation hub, which was filled with Yejuta, who were all busily working through mountains of paperwork as they assigned various loads to various areas, on, and on the wall was a large holographic, almost tactical map of the city. As the Pride looked at the section of the map, it went green in the top left corner, and from memory they recognised that as the residential block to the northeast of them. What was that about? Nestra asked, pointing to it. The green sectors are the ones we've confirmed every living Raptorian in that area, old to newborn. The Grand Matriarch and Patriarch insisted on ensuring no one lets, gets left out. Not a one, Victor said. I can't believe you're running an operation this complex right under our snouts and no one had a single clue about it. Ziva exclaimed, glancing at the room filled with people all working like a well-oiled machine to account for everyone. Well, Clan Mason does have an extensive military presence here, and we are primarily trained in covert warfare. So yeah, it didn't exactly take much to turn those skills into this, if I'm honest. Victor said, rubbing the back of his handsome head in obvious embarrassment. But how on Raptoria do you plan on getting all these gifts out on time? Zex asked, looking at the roof full of elf-like Xenos beavering away, wrapping and labelling things. Oh, ironically, that's actually the easy part. Victor said with a chuckle and the whole pride looked at him like he'd gone crazy. That's the easy part? Nestra exclaimed and Victor nodded before pointing to the map again. See all those little yellow dots? He asked and they all looked up. Uh, yeah? 
Ziva asked as she watched all of them seem to switch position in a blink of an eye. Each one is a seeker like me. Right now there's teams of us going from building to building, checking lists and numbers as well as names from the census details we have. But it's still a bit slow going, he said. But those details are out of date like every five minutes around here, Ziva said and Victor nodded. Exactly. And given that we wanted to keep this whole thing on the down low to make it a wonderful surprise for all of Raptoria, who, having lived through this terrible war, could probably really use a pick-me-up, we're kind of stuck doing this the old-fashioned way. But it's really setting us back, and not to mention running risks of having, well, a pretty Raptorian girl who's trying to close a window you left open in your haste to keep moving, as you have a massive list to work through, sitting in your lap about to scream her feathery head off and blow the whole thing wide open, Victor said with an embarrassed chuckle. And a smile, that made the whole pride ruffle. Instantly Ziva saw all of her pride exchanging glances with one another before looking at her. But she was still standing there in shocked surprise that the gorgeous human seeker had just referred to her as pretty. That's when they realised that all of her pride was staring at her expectantly, giving her get your fucking tail moving, sister, feather ruffles. And she snapped out of her daze and instantly saw an opportunity here. And now you're hoping that since we have discovered your little secret, we might be able to help you streamline this process somehow, correct? Ziva said, trying to throw in her best confident alpha female guard pride voice. Well, um, yeah, kind of. Though if it's too much to ask or get you into trouble, then please forget I said anything. All we can truly ask at this point is you please keep our secret as to not ruin the surprise for the people of Raptoria come Freedom Day morn. Victor said, sounding a bit forlorn, as if he fully expected them to reject his plea of aid. Well, there is, in fact, a way that may be able to assist you. But our aid does not come cheap. As for our silence, we will do as you ask. We would never ruin such a wonderful gesture of love and friendship for our people, Ziva said confidently, striding across the room in front of Victor, making sure to roll her hips and swish a long, thick tail as she moved, before hopping up onto an unoccupied desk to put herself at equal height to the tall human male. What kind of cost, and what kind of help? Victor asked both curiously and what sounded like a little nervously. Well, you may not be aware of it, as it isn't exactly public knowledge, but directly after the war, the command and governing prides had quite a job tracking down all the surface stalker prides that were lost in the conflict, so that their bodies could be returned to their loved ones. A most regrettable number will most likely never be found, and they will remain lost to the surface forever. So, in order to ensure that no poor pride male is ever left alone wondering if his pride will ever come home to him or not, an initiative was enacted where every local government was given a system that lists and tracks every single Raptorian in its jurisdiction. Now, I'm not talking down to where they are and what they're doing levels of surveillance, nothing sinister like that. Merely are they in the city and are they alive. That's it. But the lists... Absolutely everyone, from oldest to youngest. And we just so happen to know where the core processor for this system is located. And have access to it, because of our clearance as a high-level guard pride, Ziva said proudly. 
Viva's, Victor's face lit up so brightly that Ziva had to very nearly tread on her own tail to prevent it from swishing. That system would mean we could literally complete this list in a single night, he exclaimed, and Ziva nodded knowingly. Exactly. But there is a condition. If you want our help, there's going to be a cost, she said, smiling at him. What kind of cost? Victor asked nervously. A date, she said, and Victor's mouth fell open. A date? With you? He stammered, slightly both blushing and looking around at them all nervously. With all of us? If you've been on Lactoria this long, you know how we do things by now. There's no way in hell a single pride like us is going to pass up a chance to a handsome human male like you, let alone a secret of truth. This is the chance of a lifetime, and pretty much every hot-blooded alien-loving pride would give up their tails for a chance like this one. And we're no different. You're by far the most handsome human we've ever laid eyes upon. So unless you're about to pull a spanner out and throw it into the works like you already have a mate, then that is our conditions. We help you, and you let us take you out on a Raptorian-style date. It'll be good food, dancing, and handsome male pampering galore. Ziva said, and lots of approving nods from her pride. Victor glanced around and seemed to notice the whole room now seemed to have grown to a halt and was all watching him, waiting his answer to them. Every single set of eyes locked onto the handsome human seeker, and he seemed to shrink a little under it. Bert finally drew himself out and puffed out his chest proudly. I swore that when I became a seeker I would uphold the principles of Clan Mason, no matter where I was. And I cannot ignore an honest art plea like that. Very well, then. That's your price, Ziva. I accept. He said in a whole pride and very nearly exploded, jumping around and hugging one another, much to his actual surprise. Hell, even a round of applause broke out into the room from everyone in it, which the seeker quickly stifled with a very scorned glance at them all. Once Victor had spoken with one of the clan Siggins at the centre, he gave him something and the pride led him back to across the city to where the system was housed deep within the pra Gai pra Pride HQ. The system was originally designed to hold both financial and medical data in a form that could not be cloned or hacked into, but after the war, the governing pride decided it would be wise to expand its use. Ziva and Ed explained as they walked. Forgive me for saying this, but it seems a little dystopian to me. I mean, being able to track your citizens all the time is a bit much, Victor said as they arrived at the massive guard pride HQ at the centre of the city, which looked kind of like a massive castle turret. We can understand how it would look that way to an outsider, but after the war, seeing all those poor, poor pride males coming into the guard pride HQ to file missing pride reports to see if there was any news about their beloved ones was truly heartbreaking. There was no way for any of us to comfort them or to give them any kind of peace, so we had to act. Now, the system doesn't track your exact whereabouts of the meter or anything like that. It simply says what city you were in and if you are still alive. That's it, Bride explained, and Victor nodded in understanding. Yeah, seeing the coffins being loaded into the ground at Hero's Rest was bad enough. But not knowing if your loved ones are alive or dead, yeah, that would be pretty rough, he said, and they all nodded in agreement. Plus, like you said, our paper-style sensor systems are shockingly bad, so this was our solution to both problems. You see, now both 
At birth, each Raptorian is fitted with an ID chip under their scales at the wrist. Simply a case of updating the software in the system to make use of an already existing technology. The thing was already nano-repaired constantly, so our techs merely sent a program out to the nanites to add additional functionality. And boom! Done! Plus, no one is the wiser, they said. With that, Victor cloaked from sight so they could sneak him into the highly controlled security area of the Guard Pride HQ. The foyer was filled with scanners and sensors to ensure that all those in there were meant to be there, but not one of them could see through Clan Mason's cloaking tech. Not that a seeker really needed it, as they moved that fast that they could simply shoot straight past them all and no one would be any of the wiser to their presence. Thought you girls are clocked out for the day, one of the desk prides said, looking up from their monitors they saw Zeva and her pride approaching to scan their chips to enter. We have, but we're following up on a case we've been working on. Something's been kind of eating at us and we want to make sure we didn't miss anything or it's got our tails on the block. If anything goes sideways on it, they replied. Great tree, ain't that the truth? Command's always up our tail holes this time of year to make sure crime numbers are finalised and closed case numbers are better than last year. Though since we have clan, the clan about now, crime's at an all-time low. Don't want us to set one of those pretty hunter boys on their tails for some reason, the desk pride said with a ruffle of feathers that passed from one to the next. Ziva and her pride laughed and ruffled their own feathers. Think we're on Team Seeker, but yeah, I know what you mean, they replied all, knowing that Victor could quite clearly hear them. Oh, if only but those boys are just far so far out of our leagues, they might as well stayed on their own world. I mean, what a torment, bringing gorgeous, prideless, super-powered boys to our home world and letting them run wild and free, and we're not allowed to run after them and tackle them. It's a scandal, we tell you. It's an outrage. So we'll stick to the boys we can actually chase down and have a chance of catching, thanks. The desk bride said as Zeva and her pride passed through the rectangular body scanners. It's all about having hope. The right strategy and the hell of a right lot of luck. Zeva's pride said and desk pride all laughed before sending them on their way with a wave. Despite knowing he was there somewhere, the pride couldn't actually tell where Victor was located thanks to the very impressive cloaking tech that Clan Mason possessed. Thanks to their cameras being everywhere, he kept it deployed at all times, but they could still sense him close by at times. They made their way through the network of corridors that made up the Guard HQ, until they came to the data centre, which was essentially the beating heart of protecting the Raptorian citizenry. The room itself was a large semicircle, with a large control desk at its centre, and rows upon rows of data terminals that grew lo longer the deeper into the room one ventured. The pride made their way over to one of the data terminals and dropped into the circular-like dish-like booth seat that surrounded it. Thankfully, this time of night, the room was all but deserted, with only a few night lizard prides doing some catching up on their paperwork and reports. Do you see that large central desk with a ring of monitors and a very focused pride sat before it? Ziva asked in a very soft voice when she sensed that Victor was right next to them. I see it, he replied from directly behind her shoulder, which almost caused her to jump out of her feathers and scales as she hadn't exactly been expecting him to be so close to her. That's what you'll need to establish a connection to. 
All these terminals are linked through that one and none of them have an external line directly. So if you attempt to create one through one of these terminals, it'll get picked up almost immediately. She hissed softly as the pride began to make a show of doing some actual work rather than just sitting there staring at a blank set of screens. So what am I looking for exactly? Victor asked. The system is called Pride Guard. It'd be under the safety subsystem. It looks like this, Eva said, pulling up an interlink to the system so he could see it. Gotcha. Don't worry, this won't take me long, he said, and with that the invisible human moved away from them. Think he can pull this off? Zax asked, sounding somewhat nervous. From what I've heard, Clan's Mason Sigin section is some of the best in the entire galaxy, and they're headed up by the Guardian of Males himself, so they have to be good, right? Bistra said. Only two minutes later, a soft voice spoke from directly behind them, indicating that Victor had returned. Wren, the Sigins back at the embassy have confirmed that the data has been received and being processed right now. Think we should all get out of here, he said, which shocked all of them to just how easily he'd broken into one of their protected systems. They really were top-notch at this kind of stuff. The Ployed closed down their systems and nonchalantly made their way back out of the building, sparing a wave for the desk pride as they passed by and exited the building. As they moved further away from the building, Victor appeared out of thin air right next to them, startling them, but then their instincts kicked in and they surrounded him. So, we held up our part of the bargain, now for yours, they said as one, and he nodded. Don't worry, I'm a man of my word, girls, you'll get your dues, but right now I'm needed at the embassy, as there's going to be a hell of a lot of work to be done. But I'll tell you what, come by tomorrow night and you'll see firsthand the fruit of your labours here tonight. And then, after I'm done, I'm all yours, okay? He said, and the pride looked at one another. Really was rather too late to do anything tonight anyway, so they agreed before waving goodbye to their new friend, and hopefully romantic prospect. As the girls walked back to their home, they all had a real spring and a skip in their step. The excitement of what they had done and achieved here tonight was really bubbling throughout the entire pride. I can't believe it actually worked! We got ourselves a date with a dream warrior, an honest-to-goodness seeker of truth. Zex cried happily as she jumped up onto one of the butts of the metal lampposts and spun around it in joy. We're all going to need to go shopping for some dresses. Can't wine and dine a male of his quality and calibre in just our comfy pride-time clothes, Nestra said with a sudden hard note of panic to her voice, which instantly translated to panic looked from all of her brave sisters. Don't worry, we got tomorrow and the day after off, remember? It's our long weekend for the holidays. So if we're quick, we might even get some deals, Ziva said, which seemed to ease her sister's fears, but did nothing to temper their excitement, which led to a rather sleepless night for them all. First thing in the morning, the Pride joined the queue of other Prides outside the department stores, hoping to snag a last-minute deal before the holidays. As they scanned the line, they could see a great many prides with their males tucked safely at their centres, dressed in their colourful winter attire, and looking happy as they discussed the topics of their day with their loving prides. A deep sigh passed through Ziva and her sisters, but the first time any of them could remember it contained a ray of hope and the possibility of contentment. Maybe soon they too would join the ranks of these happy prides, and they too would stand proudly in their defensive ring surrounding their mail. If only the great tree was willing, 
and lent them her favour. Their male would be a human and would stand tall and proud alongside them, as one of the growing population of interspecies prides popping up all around their beautiful city. In fact, there was one of these such prides present among the throng waiting to get into the store, and Ziva's eyes fell upon them. The male was another human, and was one of the ebony-skinned ones. He was tall and broad, and with fuzzy fur atop his head, and was a few shades darker than his skin. He also had deep hazel eyes that were looking at his pride with what only could be described as the deepest of loves Eva had ever seen. Oh, how she loved how expressive human facial features were, and their eyes. Hopefully that'll be us soon, Nestra said, and Ziva nodded as she turned back to the doors with determination. She was going to ensure that when the night came, she and her pride were going to capture that beautiful male's loving and gentle heart, and they were going to keep it for life. They blew, absolutely blew through that store like a guard pride SWAT team with a report of male with male children under siege by a whole group of mimics. New dresses? Check. New sexy underwear? Check. New male attracting scents? Check. New claw colours and polish along with scale wax? Check. New feather colour enhancers? Check. They were ready to go. They were going to blow this human's mind, and that was a fact. Once they left the department store, the pride made their way home to deposit their bags filled with their newly acquired mail acquisition kit before they got dressed up in some fresh clothes to make their way to Clan Mason's embassy. As they approached, they once again saw a figure standing atop of the walls, and this time they recognised the body shape. It was Victor. Ah, there you are, girls. I was beginning to worry you weren't coming or were going to be late he said as he landed in front of them after completing a particularly impressive leap from the high walls. It was really easy to forget how the nervous and softly spoken male was easily one of the most powerful beings currently alive on this planet. Like we said, we were going to miss this, the pride said as Victor gave them a brilliant smile that made a collective heart flutter like the wings of a sapseeker bird. Come on, I managed to pull in a favour to get you girls a front row seat in the control room for this. Trust me, you're going to love it, he said, ushering them quickly inside the embassy once more. Once inside the Operation Sleighbell's control room, he planted the pride at a specially made-up table, complete with Raptorian-friendly seating. He even got them some snacks and drinks to keep them hydrated and fed during the viewing. Ziva could see all of her sisters glancing and smiling at one another. This male had all the hallmarks of a fantastic pride male, even if he didn't know it himself. It was obviously instinctively driven to take care of his pride, and to take care for them. All seekers to your positions, we're about to start the countdown. A voice came over the tannoy speakers hidden in the ceiling. Well, that's me, I'm up. You ladies stay here and enjoy the show. I'll see you soon, he said, and with that he vanished out of the doors again. Ah, so you're the girls that Victor won't shut up about. A deep, growly voice said from their left, and the pride all leaned out to see a truly massive Yajuta female leaning against a cabinet, and also managing to dwarf it at the same time. By our armour, she was also a seeker of truth, and a truly intimidating specimen of Yajuta femininity, to say the least. As she de- when she detached herself from the cabinet, she walked up to the pride, she dwarfed all of them to the point where, she, even if they'd all stood atop of each other's shoulders, they probably would have struggled to see eye to eye with her. Um, I guess so, 
Ziva says as the large as you to lean down to examine them closely. Ziva swore she felt an ethereal presence wash through her mind and it caused her feathers to flutter in alarm. Suddenly the large Jujuta female's mandibles broke into a warm smile and she nodded her head. You're worthy of him. You take care of that boy. He's truly one of the clan's greatest treasures. There are females of my kind all over my homeworld who would give up their right to hunt for life just to spend a single night with him alone, let alone a lifetime. Hurt him or break his heart, and I swear you will answer to every single one of them, she growled at them, and as one the entire pride leapt to their clawed feet defiantly. We would never do such a thing to one of our own, let alone to an alien beauty such as he, they all roared in defiance as one. The big Yujuta growled softly and clicked her mandibles before smiling once more, nodding approvingly. The spirits are never wrong. And they told me you were worthy, and that you had heart fire hot enough to win him. Always trust the spirit, young ones. They are really wrong, the big Yujuta said, and with that she followed Victor out of the door, leaving the pride stood in absolute confusion. Oh, don't mind Kessel. She's like a big overprotective hive queen. But, you know, a Yujuta. She's protective of all the seekers under her. A much softer voice said from the pride's right and they all turned to see Azino sat at one of the many terminals of the room. What's her problem? The pride demanded as they all took their seats again, but kept their eyes on the Zeno girl. Oh, she doesn't have a problem. Trust me, you'd know if she did. Because no offence here. She'd have stuffed each and every one of you through the male slot of the embassy before you could even blink. She's one of the most powerful soul knights on this planet, Zeno said with a soft hiss. All of the prides glanced nervously at one another, but then turned back to the Xeno girl. But then why would she say such a vile thing as to accuse us of ma being male heartbreakers? Zex exclaimed. Oh, she wasn't. She was saying the exact opposite. You see, young Victor has been raving about you a lot ever since he got back here yesterday, saying all sorts of things like calling you the scaly saviours of Freedom Day. It's obvious to every girl with half a brain that you really made an impression on him. That's not an easy thing to do with a seeker. They see through people like the rest of us see through clear glass. So for him to be so gushy made Kessel curious. And when Kessel is curious, she kind of goes into mama bear mode. She just wanted to make sure you're all worthy of him. And you passed the test. Well, trust me, you'd have been out of here faster than you could have all blinked, the young Zeno said. As one, the pride seemed to all deflate and relax as the threat of having their date scuppered before it even happened vanished. But why didn't she just say that then? Why all the riddles? Bista said and Zeno chuckled. Oh, that's just dream warriors in a nutshell, ladies. If you want to love one of them, you're going to have to get used to that kind of stuff. She said before the girls could ask another question, a klaxon began to sound. All seekers, get ready. Ten seconds. Ten. Nine. Eight. Seven. Six. Five. Four. Three. Two. One. Go, go, go! Operation Sleigh Bells is a go! The voice yelled, and like a million lights all blinking on at once, the massive holographic screen blinked into life with multiple camera feeds from all the Seeker suit cams as they rushed out of the embassy and into the city. 
The girls watched in an absolute stunned open-mouthed silence as they watched each and every Sikh of the clan currently stationed in the city rushing from home to home, carrying massive sacks strapped to their backs. Each of the sacks contained the very gifts they'd seen the Zeno army wrapping only the day before. Now these gifts were being deposited into the homes of each and every Raptorian in the city. The clan was bringing love and friendship to every Raptorian, and they were using their most powerful of warriors to do it. As the girls swept through the feeds, they found victors, and they all stared in open-mouthed awe as they saw the speed that he moved as he jumped from building to building, entering home silently and depositing brightly wrapped gifts of joy under the pride's winter seed tree. That's when they noticed a very familiar home in, the, in his feed. There's. He's in our house, the pride exclaimed as one, and Zeno chuckled again. Well, he did say we were giving rifts to every Raptorian. Ask time you girls checked. You are Raptorians, right? She said, and they all glanced at her and then joined her in laughing. But honestly, for the pride, the best gift of all were not the ones under the tree. It was the beautiful human delivering them. It took the Seekers hours to complete their monumental mission. But complete it, they did, with the determination of seasoned warriors. They fought through fatigue and pains they must have all suffered from the prolonged use of their draining gifts. And thanks to the determination, every single gift was delivered and not a single Raptorian was missed. As the last of the Seekers came back into the warehouse below them, a loud cheer and clapping rose up from every clan member present and they were handed a large energy drink. They had done it and Freedom Day had been delivered to the Raptorian people. Zeva and her pride rushed their way down to the warehouse floor where they found Victor sitting among his fellow seekers as they all panted and rehydrated themselves after their gruelling run. As he saw their pride appear and approach, he smiled before taking a large swig from his large blue bottle. In just a couple of hours, prides would be waking up to find gifts of friendship from Clan Mason waiting for them and their children. When I think of all the little cubs playing with their new toys, I can't help but smile. Trust me, girls, if you saw Freedom Day on my home world, you'd understand our drive to bring it to all we meet, he said in a panting voice. I think we already do. Seeing that all you just did to make this happen, to give beautiful and wonderful things to people for nothing more than the chance to make them happy and to fill their joy with day with joy, makes us feel humble. We were very, very lucky to find such friends such as you guys in the Grey Ocean of Black, they said as one. And now you understand. Oh, don't worry. Come tonight, I'll be back in a f on form for our date. As I said, I'm a man of my word, and I'll be at my very best for you all. After the risk you all took for us, it's the very least I can do. Though I do wonder where we're going, given that everywhere will be closed for winter seed, he replied curiously while smiling. Ziva winked at him and swished her tail happily. Well, that's going to have to be a secret for now, beautiful seeker. But trust us, we know you'll love it, she said. And with that, she and her pride left the seekers to rest and headed back home. The next morning was absolute chaos. The people of Arptoria woke to find they'd been paid a nighttime visit by a benevolent blue-suited elves of Clan Mason, who had come in the middle of the night bearing gifts of friendship and it brought joy to the entire city, just as the clan intended it to do. Ziva and her pride all sat by the window of their apartment watching proud parents playing with their children, 
as they rushed about showing one another their new toys that they had gotten from the clan the night before. And even Pride Life Today News did a piece on it. Hell, even the pretty boys of Loose Males were buzzing about it, with the boys showing off the clothes that the clan had given them. It seemed that not only had the clan gifted something to every living Raptorian that they could find, but they had gone out of their way to try and suit the gift to its recipient as well. Some things Eva couldn't help but both smile and blush about at the same time, as she was pos possibly the only Raptorian pride to receive two gifts each from the clan. A new upgraded set of armour for her, in her to use in her guard work that was far higher quality than the stuff they were issued as standard, and a new nighty that came with a note that said, Sorry for ruining your other one. As the celebrations began to wind down, the tower began to quieten as the prides retired back inside to relax after a somewhat stressful day of chasing their young around, where undoubtedly exhausted fathers were being pampered by their living wives now. Ziva and her pride were putting on their finishing touches to both their outfits for their surprise date plans. Finally, it was time for the big off, and both anxiety and excitement grew thicker and thicker with every step they took towards the embassy. It was wonderful for Ziva to see her pride sister so happy and excited. Finally, they were getting the chance to possibly add a male to their pride, and to love and take care of him which after all the years of waiting and watching their friends find males and settle down while they were left alone and ever hopeful, felt like the, to them that the great tree had finally taken pity on them. But not only had the great tree taken pity on them, but she had also concluded they were the eternal huntress of Clan Mason to breast them with a beautiful human dream warrior in their path. Now it was up to them to prove that they were worthy of such a wonderful gift. As they drew near to the embassy, they instantly saw Victor waiting for them, and what they saw instinctively took their collective breath, breath away. He was dressed in what they knew to be traditional human clothing that they called a suit. Now, while uh, unlike traditional male Raptorian wear, which showed off a male's natural curves and charms, human traditional wear kind of hid it, but at the same time tantalised by making the viewer's mind was fill in the blanks as to the joys that was hidden beneath the layers of luxurious fabrics. It was almost like humans had the best idea ever, that their males were gifts to their females, gifts covered in wrappings that just begged to be peeled away to reveal the beauty within. But not only that, it was obvious that he'd gone to great lengths to style and fix his head fur into a style that revealed his face more by giving it a windswept look. And made it flow down the back of his neck like a layer of ink-black feathers. It gave him a familiar but exotic look at all the same. He's gorgeous, the whole pride breathed in unison. The final hundred metres or so to the gate of the embassy where Victor waited and watched patiently for them was more of an exercise in pure willpower not to break into a full-on sprint and pride pile him before tearing layers of that fabric off to get the silky soft human skin that it hid. They had spoken to a few of the prides that they knew had humans as their pride males and asked them what to expect from a human. And they had universally said the same thing. When you touch a human's skin for the first time, you'll never want to touch or look at a male Raptorians ever again. Not a slight on our boys, but it's just they're so soft and warm that even the most highly waxed and polished scales simply can't compare. Sorry, we didn't keep you waiting, did we? Pride said together as they purposely emerged from the shadows right next to him, 
ensuring that you can get a sneak preview until they were right on top of him. To their delight, Victor's face lit up into a beautiful smile of joy and wonderment of seeing them all. As he watched, his eyes darted from one to the next, taking each and every one of them in, as it, which proved to them that humans were easily capable of seeing a pride as a whole, which was exactly the right way Raptorians did things. Accept me, accept my pride, sisters. No, no, I was just kind of early, is all. I'm always over-anxious over about missing deadlines, so I tend to wind up being majorly early for things. You all look incredible, he said, and Ziva fixed him with a warm smile. You stole our line, she said, making a show of looking him up and down. Ah, uh, this is just a suit and some hair gel, but you guys, just wow, he said as he fixed his eyes onto hers. I'm glad you approve. You weren't sure what would appeal to a human the most, so we went some, with some of the most latest female fashions. Pride said all striking a different pose each, kind of winding up looking like the heroic guard pride from a TV show to the crime-solving male in his kicktail pride, guard pride. Well, it's safe to say I'm impressed and you succeeded with your aim, he said with a grin. All right then, come on, let's get going. We have a surprise for you and we think you're going to like it. Trust us, Ziva said solo and Victor nodded as the pride surrounded him and they began their walk. It took them about a half hour to reach the place, but the expression on Victor's face when he saw it was worth the effort to get here. Holy shit, this is incredible. How did you find out about this place? He exclaimed as he looked down over the city that was currently covered in a rainbow of different colours. We found it about two years ago when we were part of a massive search effort for a wayward male child. He broke away from his dad while he was momentarily distracted in the recreation zone. Poor male was absolutely distraught when he burst into the local guard pride station and pretty soon we had half the city guard prides out looking for him. This is where we found him. We left a trail of marks in the cave walls that led up here and we found him sat right there under that tree looking out into the city. It was one of the most beautiful sights we'd ever seen right up until we saw you for the first time, the pride said together. Victor blushed, which even all the way up here was very obvious thanks to the light of the little lanternflies that lived in the tree and illuminated the area in their soft warm glow. The plateau they were currently on was high up in the wall of the cavern that held their city and it was like a little miniature recreation zone all in itself. It had trees, it had soft lush glass even had a little pond but what they didn't have was other people right now they had this beautiful human all to themselves that's when zex pulled out the hamper and blankets that they'd run up here early and stashed ready for their picnic date somehow you didn't strike us as a sit in a packed restaurant surrounded by other people kind of male more sit out in the open in the lights of the lanternflies among a nature kind of boy Pride said as they gently guided him over to the soft spot they'd picked out under the tree where the view was spectacular. Fair play, you deduced correctly. I can see why you're a guard, Pride, now. You cracked this case, that's for sure. All tamers feel a natural affinity for nature and it kind of makes us anxious and weary when we're removed from it for too long, he said as they guided him to sit down upon the large soft pillows they brought along with a large blanket that they now spread out. That's when Victor decided to absolutely amaze them all. He looked up at the little lanternflies in the tree and stretched out his hand again to them. 
and over the second floor the little flies swarmed down and began to circle him, all flashing their little light in sequence and causing the entire area to flash with a warm yellow glow, like they were sat under a crackling fire. Tamers understand the flow of nature like no others. We see how it weaves its web through every living being, and how all interconnected we truly are. No being is truly all that different from one another. We all have our place in the great chain of life, and we truly see it, with no mass to hide it. We see their wants, their needs, their desires, clear as day. It makes one truly understand that no matter the differences in the looks, underneath, we're all the same. He said softly as the little flies took it in turn to land on him before taking off and continuing their little orbiting dance. Does that mean you see us like this too? Ziva asked as they all sat down around him in a circle watching the lantern flies in absolute stunned amazement as he made them dance. Victor turned and looked at her with a warm smoth smile at his face and he nodded. We may be sentient beings, but we're no different from these little lantern flies really. Just bigger and more, with more complex lives. But underneath, we all want the same thing. For our lives to feel complete, he said softly. Ziva felt his words echoing through her mind as they began their meal, with all the girls preparing one of the dishes each before sharing them around equally. They'd opted for a traditional Raptorian cold picnic meal. Lots of breads, cold meats, cheeses and sauces with sweet rolls and traditional fruit jam for dessert. But when Ziva looked into the smiling face of the handsome human male in their midst as he laughed and joked with her sisters as they teased him and he teased them right back, she knew the true dessert was yet to come. After they finally packed away the dishes and remnants of their meal back into the hamper, all of the pride closed in on Victor and sat closely around him, all while watching him intently. But rather than being distressed by the situation, he seemed relaxed and at peace with it and with them, which made Ziva's heart flutter and leap in her chest, which is when she saw the look he gave her, a look that told her she knew what he was, he knew what she was hoping for and what she was thinking. There was a softness to the way his eyes sparkled in the lanternfly light, and his white skin carried an almost ethereal glow that it simply begged for her to explore it. And before she knew what she was even doing, she'd shuffled her way right up to him. Without ever breaking eye contact, she shifted herself up into his lap, letting her weight settle on his thighs and pelvis, while laying her long tail down his legs, much to the surprise of her sisters. Seems we're destined to end up in this position, given that's how we first met and now here we are again, Victor said, his eyes never leaving hers. What can I say? Some things are truly meant to be, and I'm truly hoping that this is one of them, she said, softly reaching up with a clawed hand and gently brush a wayward lock of soft curly head fur back behind his ear. That's when she felt it. All those prides that had spoken to had been spot on. His skin was like warm silk as her fingertips glided over it, and the smile never left his face his soft lips revealing those flat, wide teeth that also seemed to shine and sparkle, just like his eyes did. Now, she had seen a vid on the internet of how humans show affection to the ones they loved, and before what she, she knew what was happening, her fingers gripped his hair gently 
and used the leverage to pull her lips to his. As her scales found his soft but incredibly warm skin, Ziva felt sparkles of energy crackling between the pair of them. The feel and texture of his lips were absolutely sublime. The way his soft flesh glided over her scales as his lips moulded to hers was nearly overwhelming to her. But the biggest shock, and the one that she was completely unaware of, as she deepened the kiss, all the little lantern flies that had been lighting their picnic were now circling them in a spiral shape, casting a soft golden shaft of light directly down onto the pair. Ziva felt his hand slip up onto her back and pull her closer to him, their bodies entwining in the most natural of positions as their kiss deepened. The taste of his mouth positively sparkled on her tongue. It was like she was slipped into a bag of no popping candy that Clan Mason had introduced to them and was currently driving their kids nuts because it popped like crazy when you put it in your mouth. As she explored his white flat teeth, as well as his massive tongue, which was easily two or three times wider than her own, but a good deal shorter. That didn't seem to stop him from pushing it all the way into her mouth in a display of male passion that she was unprepared for, but welcomed all the same. As they parted, Ziva panted and gazed into his eyes after they opened and revealed to her that there was an actual glow to them, not simply an imagined one, but he was lit with an inner light glow now. Ziva and the whole pride looked at it and at him in awe. He simply smiled at them. Well, I think it's safe to say my star hunt is complete, he said softly, and Ziva cocked her head curiously. Star hunt? she asked, and he chuckled softly and nodded before proceeding to explain the Carmation tradition known as a mate hunt to them all, which did kind of shock them all at first as the thought of an innocent male being hunted down like an animal set all their feathers on edge, until he explained both the rules and the outcome. So there is a clause that if an active member of the clan posted to space, or a different world stumbles across a member of another species, falls in love with them and they with them, it's called a star hunt, because the chances of two hearts meeting across the ocean of black like that are astronomical. It's said that the eternal huntress sets you onto the path to find your love outside of the clan with another that you may show the joys and happiness of the clan too with your love for them. So, star hunted, he said softly. So you accept us? Zex exclaimed happily and he chuckled and turned to look at her excitable pride sister. I would have thought the kiss proved that much, but, you know, just to be sure he said before leaning over to grip hold of Zex's head and kissing her just as deep as he kissed Ziva. He then proceeded to do the same to each and every single one of them. When he was done kissing them, the entire pride sat there with the lanternflies now orbiting all of them like a pride of protective females orbiting their pride male in a circle. I think that makes the intention of my heart clear, he said softly and they all nodded before looking at one another. The nod and feather ruffle they all shared spoke volumes. I think we got the best Freedom Day gift this of all this year. Long have we waited to have a male to call our own, to love and care for, but now we have a beautiful human warrior who fights not only in the flesh, but in dreams as well. So given you have made your intentions clear, I do believe it's our turn now, Ziva said. 
And with that, she hopped back off his legs and stood up to join her pride as she, he watched them all curiously. In the years the girls had searched for their males, they had studied the whales of their sister species to see how they attracted a male and why they despised how the Scalthorn Draconis did things. They positively fell in love with the heart dance that the Serpentinus did. So with that in mind, they had devised their own heart dance. A dance that would show any male in no uncertain terms how they felt about him and what they offered to him. So now here, under the light of the lantern flies in the mid-air of a plateau high above the city, they began to perform that perfectly choreographed dance. They had chosen a song for it too, and ironically it was one sung by one of Clan Mason's own Raptorians, Ramal Rainbow Scale. Hell, the song could not have been more of an amalgamation of Raptorian and Carmation cultures if it had tried. It was a love ballad about a male who fought for his pride, who stood tall and proud for them, while they stood at his sides and supported him. Now they all loved one another with a love so powerful and strong that nothing could break them apart, not even death, as even when they came, they simply walked through the gates of the Golden Garden together as they had lived, one loving whole. The music that backed the track was performed by Clan Mason's own Grand Patriarch, Matriarch and their two cubs, Celeleth Mason and Ryan Mason. It was a perfect blend of power chords and long rifts that were performed by Jack Mason himself. But it was obvious from his expression that the part that Victor had not seen coming was the part that they had moved. The person behind him shed an item of clothing out of his sight until his brain seemed to catch up with the fact that the he now had very six very naked Raptorian girls dancing around him in an ever-tightening circle that drew him to his feet at its centre. The dance continued as they moved and gyrated together. Each of the girls took it in turn to remove an item of clothing from him. Turning him and propping him up as their sisters worked to disrobe him until finally he was as naked and exposed as they were. One naked loving hole. When the song finally ended, the whole pride closed in on Victor and hugged him from all sides, and none of the girls could tear their eyes from his beautiful naked body, which, while all smooth, also displayed numerous scars that wove tales of his experiences in combat. But their eyes were not the only ones that wandered. As she looked up, Ziva could see him glancing at her exposed tails. Rear ends peeking out from underneath, said Tails. A breast here, a belly there. And she smiled. For a single human male, a naked pride must be like being in an all-you-can-eat buffet. But the only question was, where to start? So as any good pride should, it helped him to make that choice. Ziva stepped forward and began to trail kisses up his exposed stomach relishing the slightly salty and spicy flavour of his skin that sparkled across her tongue as she drew little lines in the valleys and grooves between his solid muscles. But there was one muscle that stood out far more than the others, and it kept drawing both her eyes and the eyes of her sisters, his beautiful manhood. It was about seven inches long, veiny and white like snow, but with a heat flowing from it that was definitely unsnow-like. It seemed to be such a beautiful symbol of masculinity that it was too much for both Zex and Nestra, as both of them reached for it and began to very gently stroke and tease it with their fingers, which very quickly morphed into their tongues 
as their own instincts to taste him like their sister took over. But her other three sisters were not to be outdone either, as their own instincts took over and very swiftly their beautiful human pride male found himself being kissed and licked from every possible direction all at once. The sensations were overwhelming even for one as powerful as he, and the pleasure of six sets of scaly lips and tongues being dragged over his exposed sensitive flesh brought him swiftly down to his knees. The girls were on him in a moment, he was felled. Like a pride of hunters, they swiftly worked to overwhelm their prey, but were not with violence, but with love and passion. Victor was swallowed up in a mass of squirming scaly bodies that sought out every unkissed or unlicked spot of human flesh that had not yet played host to a female tongue yet. But it also seemed that the human dream warrior was not as down and out as they initially thought. It seemed that clan ma mason members were taught to fight to their final breath. So as he was dragged down to his back on the soft nest of pillows atop the warm blanket, Victor's hand shot out of the squirming mass of scales and seized hold of Ziva by the hips. As he fell backwards, he hoisted the surprised Zoraptorian into the air and spun her like a top in his hands, so she was now facing the city. The surprise of the lift and spin caught her so off guard that she lifted her tail in alarm. But that was to be her downfall, as she very swiftly learned that you never show your weak spots to a seeker of truth. Faster than she could have believed possible, Victor moved and he managed to wedge his face into the safety of the underside of her tail before she could lower it, and she made a loud beep of alarm, but it seemed that despite her alarm call, her sisters could not save her. Before her, even, her mind even had the ability to quantify what was happening to her, she felt some very hot, very soft human lips lock onto her own lower ones, parting them as they did. She squealed and squirmed in Victor's grip, but it was like the grip of death itself. He held flast, and it was too late. That sublime, wide, flat human tongue breached her gates. Ziva's alarm call morphed into a loud, long-drawn-out moan of purest pleasure as she felt his tongue dragging across her burning loins, parting her flesh like a cleaver through the tenderest of meat. She knew exactly where it was headed, but she had not the strength or the will to be able to prevent its invasion. And then, just like that, it was inside her. Ziva had never dared to imagine such pleasure could even exist this side of the Golden Garden's mighty walls. But here it was, in human form, a male from across the stars, an alien to their world and to its people, but in, as in love with them as they were with him. Ziva cried out in purest ecstasy as she felt his tongue squirm and writhe within her sacred tunnel, tasting her every inside, making contact as they tried in vain to grip it and drag it deeper into her innermost sanctum. It drove Ziva crazy, and she could not resist any longer. With one last show of pure strength, she pulled herself free and spun herself around using her sisters as leverage diving back into the throng of writhing raptorian scales to grab her human male's face and pepper it with kisses. Please, I can't take it any more. Let me show you how much we love you. Let me make love to you, please, she begged as she looked into his glowing eyes. If you want me, my little loves, then take me. I'm yours for tonight and every night after, Victor replied softly. As one, the whole pride squealed loudly and then the kissing and licking continued with even more fervour. 
But for Viva and Victor, it's like a time had gone into slow motion. They looked at one another, and as she watched, he reached down to her hips and gently lifted her with one hand, before reaching underneath her and catching hold of his besieged manhood, as it sprung free from the mass of scales. Her sisters parted as they watched in awe as he aligned the large pulsing purple head with her opening, and then slowly, and oh so gently, he began to impale her with it. The large alien organ was absolutely massive and Ziva's flesh struggled to accommodate him at first. But it was like something inside her simply gave way. But oddly, there was no pain. It felt like there should have been, but it was like something intercepted it and took it away from her, instead only letting the pleasure of their union pass through like a shield wall blocking the bad and only letting in the good. Ziva cried out in purest pleasure as she felt inch after throbbing inch of his humanity vanish into her depths, until like two pieces of a puzzle they simply clicked together in a perfect fit. She had waited her whole life for this moment, to claim a male for her pride, to bring him into their arms and their hearts, to show him in no uncertain terms that they were the pride for him, that they would love him and care for him for life, and it seemed that he was waiting for them to come to him because now, where they were, he held nothing back from them. He gave their all, his all to them, and only to them. Despite their size difference, Ziva's instincts drove her onwards, and she began to move, her loins sucking at his human flesh, trying to resist her efforts to remove him from her body, until it won the fight, as only his tip remained within her, and she crashed back down onto his pelvis with a wet slap of scales on flesh, a slap that would make up the sound trap of the grove for the foreseeable future. As thanks to Victor's stamina, it wasn't only Ziva that would taste of him that night. One after the other, Victor made love to eat with each member of his pride in turn, until there were none left, and they were all laid in a sweat and essence-soaked heap, each of the girls giggling and writhing at the pleasure of being filled with human flesh, followed by the injection of human seed that now sought to find purchase in the fertile lines of their wombs. At the centre of the pile lay their beautiful human, totally wrung out and exhausted, but surrounded by love as each of them clung to a different part of him and held on tight. It seems I got my Freedom Day's wish this year after all, he panted as he looked down at Ziva who was resting her head on his warm chest, and she looked up at him questioningly. What wish? she asked softly. Each and every year I would always ask the goddess to help me find my love, to show me the one meant for me. I never could have imagined that she put a, my call on hold that she could be picked up by the great tree instead. But here you all are. My little Freedom Day miracles made scale flesh and pure love, he said, and Ziva smiled softly. My... Pride and I made the same wish on winter seed to the great tree every year. Please, O oh great tree, bring us a male to love. Let us see us for who we are, and see that our pride will love and protect him for life, that we will bear him fruit, and we will bring joy to your garden. Looks like the great tree heard us both, she said softly. Seems all we ever wanted for both winter seed and freedom day was each other. And now we have just that, a true Freedom Day miracle, Victor sighed happily and contentedly as he lay back, 
and looked up in, at the little lanternflies which had now gone back to their home in the branches and were once more making it look like a little star-filled galaxy above their heads. Since our wish came true, I think next year I'm going to wish for a tail warmer. I think I'm going to need it if our pride mail keeps lifting it like that. Zek said and the whole pride dissolved into fits and giggles, Victor included. Then together, as one, the whole new pride let sleep claim, creep in and claim them. One after the other until peace and love settled into the grove once more. For you see, at this magical time of year it doesn't matter who you are or where you're from. Miracles can happen. All you have to do is believe. The end. So that was the holiday special, ladies and gentlemen. And I want to thank you for having taken yet another year with me and another journey through the little mindscape that is my strange mind. I want to thank you for your continued support and love that you all send from day to day to me and all the comments and, well, just the whole general feeling that you guys have had all year round. And I hope it'll continue into 2024. But for me, this is Ghost Nobody signing off for 2023 and saying, Happy Holidays, everyone, and a Happy New Year. May the next one be as great as this one. Take care, people, and I'll see you next year.